Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Sly Hoover Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. In today's episode, speaking of Blue Wire Hustle, it's a Blue Wire Hustle team up. Today I got Jalal Sandy on the podcast. He is the host of the Just Another Day podcast, which is also on the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. Going to be trying to pull in as many people as I can from Blue Wire Hustle to talk about their NBA teams this year, so expect a lot of collaborations, hopefully. But uh, Jalal is a Miami Heat fan, and before we talked about the Heat and their up-and-down season and the COVID-written start that they had to the season as well, coming off of a NBA Finals berth in the bubble, we talk about how exactly he became a Miami Heat fan, despite the fact that he lives in New York. And I always find it interesting when people who live in a certain area that is known as a Knicks town or a Nets town, or me, for example, growing up in Southern California for all my life and being surrounded by nothing but Laker fans, I end up becoming a Sixer fan. So, of course, I had to ask Jalal about the origin of his fandom and why he became a Heat fan despite living in New York. And then we get into, you know, the season that they've had. They have, they're in the play-in right now. They just came off of a terrible loss to the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But they're in an interesting spot right now. And uh, we go into all of that during this episode. We go into the fact that they basically had signings in preparation for possibly Giannis being a free agent this summer. And then, of course, we all know what happened. He signed his extension. He stayed with Milwaukee. So now they're kind of in this weird position of they have some budding young talent, but they also have some aging vets. And one of those vets is an NBA superstar in Jimmy Butler, who is also 31 years old. So we talked to Jalal about all of those things. And without further ado, here's the conversation. It's a Blue Wire Hustle collaboration today. We are joined by Jalal Sandy. He's the host of Just the Just Another Day podcast, also on Blue Wire Hustle, a Miami Heat fan. And Jalal, first of all, thank you for joining the Sly Hooper podcast. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, before we talk about your team, which is what we're going to be talking about mostly today is the Miami Heat. Um I wanted to ask you how exactly you became a fan of the Miami Heat because kind of it kind of reminds me of how I'm a I'm I live on the West Coast and I've been a Philadelphia 76er fan my whole life. Allen Iverson was my guy. I lived in Southern California so I was surrounded by Laker fans. <laughs> Somehow didn't become a Laker fan. But uh you live on the East Coast and you're a my you live in uh, New York I think and you're a Miami fan. Yeah. So uh, how did how did that mm-hmm. come about? Um, yeah, my, um, so I started watching basketball when I was like young age, like three or four. And, um, I have a bunch of Lakers fans in my family. So, um, my mom used to watch the Kobe and Shaq Lakers all the time. Yep. And my favorite player was Shaq. So, um, <clears throat> he is traded to Miami and around the time living in New York, like, um, you would prefer to go to a Nets game in the tri-state area rather than go to a Knicks game for obvious reasons. So (laughs) one year for my birthday, uh, go to a Nets game and they're playing the heat. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to see Shaq. Like that's, that's all good. And I used to watch the Nets a lot too. So I was kind of rooting for the Nets as well. And then, um, during the game, I just see this guy like six, three, six, four, just, give it Vince Carter work. I'm like, who is this guy? He's like, match, <laughs> just flying by everybody, dunking on, I don't even remember who their center was at the time. Um, yeah, and from literally that day on, I was a Heat fan. It's that simple. Oh, Since, wow. I think that's that was 2005. And how old were you when you went to that game? Oh, man. I had to be seven. Wow. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I guess yeah, I feel I'm 22 I, now. So. Oh, you're 20. Yeah. Wow. I, now I feel really old. Uh, I'm going to be pushing 30 this, <laughs> this year. Um, that's kind of how that's kind of how it works. Right. Um, you know, you're a kid and you just see you, you probably want to see something else, but then something else catches your eye and it ends up being for you. It ends up being Dwayne Wade for me in the when when I was seven or eight it was right around the 2001 season where Allen Iverson won his MVP and just watching games that year and then of course watching the playoffs it kind of just it was branded into my head that I was gonna follow this dude and become a 76er fan so it's it's kind of funny how it uh how fandom turns out that way even if you live in an area where it's like oh you could be a Nets fan or an or a Knicks fan but then something else catches your eye um Let's start about let's start talking about the Miami Heat. Um it's been an up and down season, I guess, if you want to put it nicely. I think a lot of it obviously they they were one of the teams that were stricken badly by the coronavirus. Um had a lot of had players miss time, mainly Jimmy Butler. Um even through this, what do you make just generally at fir- first? What do you think about how how have you been able to assess the Heat's up and down health protocol writ- written start to this uh, season? Um, it's yeah, it's been a it's been a roller coaster from <clears throat> the bubble to whatever the hell this season is. I'm really uh, the NBA has pissed me off like since the start of the season. I feel like the season should have been on pause three different times already. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Yeah, the Heat, um, I think they've run into a bit of a wall. You know, they kind of found some sort of magic in the bubble, and it worked. And I think this is due to the front office, partially. They kind of said, okay, we're going to run it back. And they're the only team in the East that probably hasn't gotten better. They have the same core without Jay Crowder, who is a pivotal piece, that was a in big their one. finals run. Yeah. And, you know, they, the, the, their offense is like, is, is predicated on dribble handoffs with Duncan Robinson. And in the finals, when Drogic went out, it was like, okay, we're just going to have to give the ball to Jimmy Butler. He's going to have to carry everything, pass out during the finals <laughs> just to get us to six games. And he's going to have to assist, oh, rebound, score, serve the popcorn in the stands, all that. Right. He's like, he's like the poor man's LeBron. He's literally out here doing everything. And somehow the front office saw that and was like, Hey, we could run it back with Myers Leonard and we could go get, uh, Mo Harkless, who's done absolutely nothing. Uh, Myers Leonard is the most expensive cheerleader in the NBA right now, <laughs> making $10 million a year. And, you know, they, they, now that you are the Eastern Conference champions, you've been to the finals, there is no element of surprise. People know what's coming and people are waiting for you. Like, everybody's been saying that this season's going to be a fluke and they're trying to prove you wrong. So I don't understand why, you know, we decided to just run it back. Meanwhile, Boston got a little bit better. Philly got better, Milwaukee got better, and Brooklyn clearly <laughs> yeah. got a lot better. Yeah. Um, also, um, we forgot to mention um, Avery Bradley, who was supposed to be, I guess, a pseudo Jay Crowder replacement. He's been. Oh, I didn't mention him for a reason. He yeah. Hasn't played. <laughs> it doesn't like. Yes, COVID has done this team a disservice. Like they, I think. Almost every one of their starters, except Kelly Olenek, has missed time due to COVID or some other injury. Like, I feel like everybody on the team has been hurt at some point or been out due to the safety and protocol. Um, but the issues are deeper than them just not being healthy. They just, they need, they need a move to shake up this roster because uh, I was watching that game last night against the Clippers, yeah. the Clippers B team. And that's the second no time. No Kawhi or Paul George for the second time this year and they've lost again. And it's like, you know, Jimmy had a triple double. He had 30, 10 and 10. Bam had, uh, I think 27 and 14. Uh, Hero had 27 and no one else did anything. Like Duncan Robinson had 11 points on three of 11 shooting. Kelly Olenek had two points. Mo Harkless uh, made 
uh, Marcus Morris looked like Clay Thompson last night. <laughs> and, you know, the, it's, it, we'll get into the issues later because I know you want to get to other questions, but it's, it's more than just the, the missing time because of COVID. Yeah. Um, speaking of, you know, you, you mentioned the offense. I mean, they're 25th an offensive rating right now per cleaning the glass and it's not it's uh, other players have kind of taken a step back too. well one Goran Dragic in who was fantastic in the bubble I think we forgot he was kind of struggling last season last regular season before the playoffs before he really took off and he started started starting games and he has not been good this year Duncan Robinson's kind of taken a step back he's shooting 39 percent from three now instead of like last year we were thinking holy shit this guy is one of the best shooters on the planet and with with a guy like Robinson if you take like a little step back in your specialty which is shooting um you kind of become a little bit less effective it's just it seems like it's a bunch of incremental things that are adding up on top of the uh on top of the covid related stuff um you talk about Jimmy Butler. Um, he has still, well, ever since he's come back from COVID, I think we've, I think maybe like the first two games he's been back or, or that he came back from, um, it, he was kind of, it, it was obvious he was still trying to work through stuff. But even then, he, in the games he's been back, since he's been back, he's averaged 23 points, nine rebounds, eight assists on, and he's taken a hell of a lot of free throws. This guy is yeah. still producing really well. I think to start out the year, he was kind of struggling, but he's kind of finding his groove back. And you guys are four and two in your last six games, even though you, like I, you mentioned, you lost that stinker to the Clippers yesterday <laughs> to their B squad. Let's uh, go into something positive. So uh, what, what do you make of Jimmy Butler's recent stretch and how does that bode well for you and your th prospects for this team because they are in the play-in and I think this type of team at least um whether you want to say where whether you want where you stack them in the east um is to be determined but if they're in the play-in seed with all the other bottom feeders that's got to be you got to at least be like okay well at least we can beat up on these teams and gain a rhythm yeah um on Jimmy Jimmy's just that's that's just what he does he's been doing that for almost two years now the issue I have is when are the wheels gonna fall off for Jimmy I feel like he's going uh all gas no brakes at 31 <laughs> at 31 yeah, years and, old exactly and he's he's played a lot of minutes in his career because he uh came from the Bulls with Tom Thibodeau who plays you 40 minutes a game anyway mm -hmm. so being 31 putting in all this effort and he's not the most um skillful player like he's not an elusive guard or wing who can cross you up and hit a step back he's very physical yeah um he doesn't really have a jumper it, it, it's sort of a rhythm thing like if he's feeling it, he'll take it but if not he's gonna try and get to the basket and you know that for 72 games in a covid ridden season with coming off of uh 70 days rest from the bubble i i don't like uh jimmy butler's chances getting through the entire playoffs healthy. I think eventually his body's going to break down. Um, but yeah, like you said, they're in there. I think they're tied for ninth or 10th with the bulls right now. So, I mean, yeah, they're going to make the play in probably like they're too talented not to, but um, the issue is like, if they don't move Duncan or they don't move, uh, Drogic, they're paying Drogic $20 million to be injured. They're paying Myers Leonard $10 million to be injured. <clears throat> they're paying, uh, they're going to have to pay Duncan Robinson uh, eight, probably $18 million. Uh, if you look at what, if you want to figure out what kind of money he's going to get, just look at the contract Joe Harris got Yeah. Um, yeah. before the season started. They're very similar in their play style. They're almost identical as players, but I think teams are figuring out Duncan Robinson's tendencies and they know that dribble handoff is coming. And yeah. I saw a stat yesterday, Duncan shooting, uh, I think 40% from three in the first half of games. And then in the second half, 
that drops to like 25%. So it's a thing of, well, one, I think the offense is limited because they have so many specialists. Like they only have probably three shot creators on offense. And Bam isn't really a shot creator. He's still uh, working into that. So I guess you say Jimmy, Tyler, and Drogic went healthy, and that's a big if because I feel like he hasn't been healthy in a long time. Yeah. Um, Ever since that yeah, foot injury in the bubble, it's kind of been it's been yeah, bad he just for hasn't, He hasn't been right. Um, but yeah, they're they're very they have a lot of specialists, and then you know if these shooters aren't hitting threes, they can't give you anything on the defensive end either. It's like you got to get more a more diverse um, roster. You know the the magic is gone, and mm-hmm. when you lose a game like you did last night. I know Pat Riley is cooking up something because I don't I don't know how he could watch that game and say, "Well, oh, we could still make the play-in." They're not fighting for the play-in. You just went to the finals. Like, I think their ceiling is probably fifth seed and a second round exit. But honestly, this team right now is looking like a first round exit. Yeah, and the other problem is they gave Drogic and Winnard and Bradley contracts like this because they were hoping for the big dog and free agency which was Giannis but he ended up staying so now you guys are kind of like well shit what do we do with these one-year deals um I want to talk about Bam's leap but I guess since you brought it up already I'll just ask it for you as a fan um I I have the question here are the heat a trade deadline team you obviously think so so what would you what would you like to see um, in terms of moves that the Heat could make? Do you want to mor- mortgage some draft capital to get some long-term players? What What's your thinking there in terms of the Heat and, you know, the trade deadline? Yeah, well, um, I think everybody should be on the table outside of Bam and Jimmy. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, like, I don't know, like – and I, and I feel like the the, pro, the mistake that the Heat made, and it's something that they do with um, homegrown talent, they tend to hold on to assets too long and then they start depreciating. Like, mm-hmm. they could have traded Tyler Hero over the summer and they probably could have gotten a huge haul for him. The way the media was hyping him up, I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's a really talented player. Doesn't play a lick of defense, but on offense, he's extremely talented. Oh, yeah. Um. But, like, Duncan Robinson, that was the height of his uh, stock. Um, Kelly Olenek, even, like, a guy like Casey Akpala, who the Heat were hyping up, this young wing who uh, could step in and play the four. And now it's like, we just need to get something back because they don't even have, they don't even have their pick. The OKC owns, has the rights to their pick. Mm-hmm. So if they end up top, a bottom 10 worst team in the league. They that high guess pick what? Is, OKC. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just our luck, it'll end up being the first pick and Kate Cunningham goes to OKC. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, I think, um, I don't think they can get Bill right now. And I don't think they can get somebody like Zach Levine right now. So if I was Miami, I would probably stack up on draft capital to, build that hole that you need to get that third star you know Mm -hmm. Uh, bam is a star but he's just not i don't think bam realizes how good he is at basketball yet like there's games where he's ultra aggressive dropping 30 like last night or like a few weeks ago against the nets where he had had 40 42 right for i think he had 41 42 something like that yeah and then there's games where i watch him games I watch him do dribble hands off handoffs and pass out to Kelly Olenek for three like no no don't do like come on man like I just want him to realize his potential because the sky's the limit for him you know the heat uh heat fans and um media they they talk about how Bam doesn't have a ceiling and honestly he might not if he gets a consistent jump shot I don't know who's who's guarding him, really. And it's it's crazy that you say Bam doesn't realize how good he can be, at least on the offensive end, because he's taken another leap as a scorer this year. I mean, he's averaging averaging 20, he's averaging 9, and he's averaging 5. But I totally get what you're saying, because I think with players like Bam, and they're trying to figure out just how good they can be, especially after 
playing a limited role, say, of like Kentucky or whatever, where it's in Kentucky, they have a bunch of one and duns, but John Calipari doesn't do the whole we're going to let a star shine thing. It's like everybody has to put in work on that team, right? So it's, it's the same with Devin Booker. We didn't know how good Booker would be coming out of Kentucky. Same with Bam. And um, I'm not going to lie. I knew about Devin Booker. I had a feeling he was Oh, yeah? You, you were one of those uh, few? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. I, I thought Bam would be like, you know, the live catching, rim defending type, but he was same. undersized. And I was like, but I wanted Hassan Whiteside to get out of there. Like I'm like, okay, we got a new center. But I want, yeah. With in Bam, his rookie year, I was like, can we just start Bam already? I'm done with. I was done with the Hassan Whiteside like four or five years ago. <laughs> yeah, people, people don't understand why I don't like Whiteside, and it's like if you were a Heat fan during those days where he was getting paid max contract money to just worry about his stats, you'd understand the pain. But um, back to Bam, you, you talked about his numbers. If he realized how good he was, he could easily average 25 yeah. and 12. Yeah, because he's always had I, – I know the jump shot is consi- in, cons- was inconsistent to start his career, but I always felt like he had good touch around Yeah, his jump shot is beautiful. In. And and then last year he started trying his mid-range jumper at the foul line a little bit more. I was like, okay, maybe we're on to something here. And then this year he's doing it more, but there's still like a little bit of, can you just be a tad bit more selfish? Just a little bit more aggressive. Just a yeah, tad bit more exactly. selfish. Like the open threes will be there. Like if it's a kick out to an open three, a wide open three-point shooter off a of bam aggression, I, w- I don't mind. But the – passiveness to just okay i'm gonna stick with the system and do a dribble hand right. sometimes stars have to call audibles you know um like, it's like jimmy like jimmy does he's like okay fuck that i'm gonna drive to the rim and get a foul and he's shooting like 12 free throws a game bam should exactly. be bam could be putting dudes in the torture chamber way more often the nets couldn't stop him uh the clippers couldn't stop him like he's doing this against good teams too so it's like it's crazy to say that he still has more to go, but like he's already an All Star this year. Yeah. I think Nikias. I don't know if he'll be an All Star. I don't. I think he might get snubbed. It depends on how the coaches think. Yeah, yeah that's like, right. The reserves are usually the coaches, which is unfortunate. Yeah, but. I think he might get snubbed, which is which is okay. I feel like um, you know, there there are there are guys having better seasons than him, like Zach Levine, uh, yeah, Julius Randle. Um, I hope Julius Randle gets in, just for you know all my Knicks friends. I think he should be an All NBA guy. The way he's playing, honestly. Oh yeah, yeah. Second, third team, definitely. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Bam. You know, he's twenty three. I forget. I forget all the time. Like he's like a year older than me, and I'm like, he'll he'll get there. Like it's two more keys that he needs to really fully unlock his game. One is like, um, like you said, the jump shot, the just being more comfortable with it, taking more threes, and then um, being more comfortable with his back to the basket. Yeah. I feel like when his back when his back is to the basket, he's always looking to pass. Like if he had a little post spin or, you know, he was just more comfortable with his footwork. Just had a pet move could, in the post. Just one. Yeah, pet just a move. little a go to move in the post. He it, it, the sky's the limit for him, man. I just I just hope he realizes it soon because they didn't pay him max money to be a uh facility I'm trying to find the two K archetype for it. Uh glass cleaning facilitator <laughs> the bat the badges <laughs> yeah exactly you got 20 playmaking 30 defense in like one shooting in one sh- <laughs> yeah i mean with the way the heat i i was looking up the uh i, I was wondering where the heat's defense was because i know when i watch them it's not the same and I know Heat fans think it's not the same. Those either, numbers are lies. But Those they're 13th lies. in defensive rating. And look, There's no way. It, There's no way. I think a lot of it is because Jimmy and Bam are basically holding this team together with duct tape and bubble gum. Because I'm surprised they, they three are 13. solid defenders. Yes, Iguodala. Uh, Bam and Jimmy. Bam and Jimmy. And that's it. And I'm just like, and wow, the they're 13. Is, is- they're they run they run a lot of zone and they switch yeah in the pick and roll once they switch bam who's bam always wants to switch he's gonna switch onto the guard but the problem is the big drops that you have uh duncan robinson tyler hero kendrick nunn on the last night would look like uh shaquille zubak <laughs> i but like even even when it's even when it's a team like uh boston like somebody like daniel tice 
that's e- that's an easy layup for a seven foot center. Yep. Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, they're not stopping that. You know, Gabe Vincent, uh, Max Struess, like it, they need they need a four, and they need a big who can play next to Bam, which is uh, I've heard John Collins rumors, which I think would be a, like a a decent fit. It definitely would take. It'd some be time, interesting for sure. Yeah, it definitely would, because John Collins uh, can score on all three levels. He can rebound. And I think he has the athletic tools to play defense. He just doesn't want to. Yeah. Because there's no defensive culture in Atlanta. They got like one guy who plays defense. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think they got they they need to find someone who can play next to Bam. And I think Precious could, but how long are you gonna wait for Precious to develop? Like yeah, he's exactly. probably he's probably getting sent somewhere in a deal to get someone to come there. I don't know. There's a lot of issues. What do you? What have you thought about Achua so far? He seems like it, when you talk about he culture, and it's been said a thousand times, but like Achua's personality and how he approaches the game is probably something the Heat die for having those type of players. Yeah. But uh, Heat culture always sounds good until we start losing. Yeah, I yeah, that's always the funny <laughs> thing with culture, right? Because that was kind of similar with the Sixers. It was like. We were winning, but all of a sudden, it's a culture problem because they got booted in the first round. They got swept. And then Doc Rivers comes right. in, and the buzzword I've, we've heard all year, accountability, accountability, culture. And it's like, well, okay. Like, I mean, you could say those words, but, like, it, it really, to me, it's like wins and losses, you know? But um, Achua, he – I can't get a gauge on what – it's what he's another – it's like Bam in a way, right? Like we know what he is coming in, coming out of college. We know he's going to play hard. We know he's going to defend his ass off. You could kind of put him in the three to four area. Like you could put, you can, you could put him like he has flexibility at that position where it's three to four. Um, but we don't know exactly what his offensive ceiling would be like. What have you seen from Achua so far? And do you really think the heat would uh, put him in a trade package if something came up? Um, yeah, Precious, he, his build is very similar to Bam, but I don't, like, he has the, and he has energy, but the problem is, is they, he's not a five, and they have, he's six, eight, they have him playing the five, being a rim runner, he's, he's most likely a four, and, um, you know, he, he's a rookie, and there was no, there was, like, one week of training camp, there was no summer league, and, you know, I think, when Hero came in and Nunn came in a couple of summers ago, they had that summer league to really unlock their games coming out of out of college. And mm-hmm. Precious hasn't had that opportunity. And I watched Precious um, in in college because uh, I went to UConn and they were playing in the American Conference at the time. So I was watching Memphis all the time. Um, right. And he. He was an energy guy. He got a lot of but he was playing he was playing the five because James Wiseman. Yeah, was he out. opted out after three games. No, he got suspended. Or, or yeah, that's that's right. That's right. That was I this whole COVID year and the word opt out is just branded into my head. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but um I think I think they would have to deal pressures because they don't have a lot of picks at their disposal right now. You know, the I think the Thunder own a few rights. The Suns own rights from the Dragic trade a few years ago. So they're going to have to give up players, and probably they're going to have to get picks back for some of those young guys that they ship out. Like I said, everybody except Jimmy and Bam is expendable, should be on the table. And I love I love uh, Tyler, but in order to get somebody like a Bradley Beal or Zach Levine, you got to give up Tyler Hero. Like, I'm not going to lie, when uh, the Harden rumors were starting or were <clears throat> basically in full swing and the Heat were kind of mentioned, not really. It was always going to be Brooklyn and Philly, I feel. But the Heat kind of got mentioned in there. And it was like maybe a trade of Robinson, Hero, and Picks or whatever. I remember – and look, all fan bases' Twitters is not – it's not – it's not – the fan base it shouldn't reflect the fan base at large whatever section of twitter uh 
it, for whatever team or whatever. But I just remember Heat Twitter just freaking out because they're like, we're going to have to give up Tyler Hero. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, for James Harden? Uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. For James you Harden? Like, I understand he was going to strip clubs. And I understand he was going to strip clubs, getting giving little baby honey buns and all that stuff and showing up 300 pounds and still dropping buckets. But that's James Harden. <laughs> he was out of shape. He looked out of shape. He was clearly out of shape, and he dropped uh, four, like forty-four and twelve against the Trailblazers. His first game back, and yep. I was like, "Yeah." But the thing is, I, I knew the Heat would never get him because the Heat didn't have the best package anyway. Like, oh yeah, everybody yeah. talks about how Pat Riley and um, Nick, um, Andy Ellisberg, their GM, is is gonna oh they they're, they're gonna finesse. Well, the other team has to want to do that as well, you know. Yeah, the Sixers are offering Ben probably Ben Simmons and first round picks. I would I would rather have Ben Simmons than Tyler Hero. Yeah. For my franchise cornerstone, I would rather. Well, well, the uh, package the Rockets ended up getting was even better <laughs> than that. Yeah, well, they got t- a they they got a ton of picks. They got a ton of picks. They got Oladipo, like who's expiring. You could probably flip it. They got a bunch of shit for. Yeah, and they'll probably flip Oladipo once he comes back. Yeah, yeah. And he might. We if we can go get Oladipo, I mean that would help, but. You know, I at one point I did want Oladipo, but he doesn't seem like he can stay healthy. I think he's already hit his ceiling. He's almost thirty two. He's like twenty nine, twenty eight. That's the thing Um, that sucks about the Oladipo thing. He was like twenty six, twenty seven when he just hit his stride with Indiana. Then he had that leg injury, and now it's like we don't even know what he's gonna look like. I mean, I think he's still a a decent defender. Like he's a plus defender, and he can create his own shot the problem is he still thinks he's the best player on the team which yeah he's probably not but he can contribute you know 17 a game and give you great defense yeah that's a plus it's just it's just injury that i'm concerned about yeah of course and um so at this point you're if you're talking about big trade targets or big signings Giannis is obviously off the table Chris Paul got traded to Phoenix over the summer that was another guy who was uh linked to you guys you know even the summer before that and uh so now it seems like Bradley Beal would be your ideal uh third star if you could cobble together something for him yeah Bradley Beal or Zach Levine that should be that should be what they're looking at obviously I have no expertise in being an NBA GM but um, we all don't. You know, don't feel bad. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, like I've I've seen rumors of Lonzo, uh, Kyle Lowry, PJ Tucker, like all the deep, like all these guys who are quick fixes, and I'm like, yeah, that have expiring that contracts and that stuff. have one year contracts, so that we can go back to the conference finals and lose. And I'm like, well, I would rather have Bradley Beal, who I don't know why he wants to stay in Washington. But Neither you know, I've do said I. it on my podcast plenty of times. I've said it on my podcast. Like, does he really want to win? I, like, I, I know he wants to win, but how bad does he want to win? And like, is his loyalty hurting his own legacy, which I think it is. And I think it's also hurting Dame's legacy, but that's a different conversation for a different day. But um, yeah, the two guys I would go after is Beal and Levine, who uh, are on like the same level in terms of player like all-star star level players with superstar talent mm. i just think bill is a little bit better because he's better he's just a guy who can break down his man in isolation he's one of the best isolation scorers in the league and it's i saw a graphic the other day i was watching uh wizard celtics on sunday and his numbers in his first six or seven years are so eerily similar to kobe's it's quite scary yeah, and they're obviously not the same player, but oh, of course, to of be course, on that level is insane. Look, man, you don't need to preface it. I I know what you're saying. Like when you're talking about compa- mm-hmm. we're just talking about comparing the numbers. Obviously, they're right. different players and stuff. But yeah, people forget Bradley Beal was a playoff performer. Like those first, I'm telling you, John Wall and Bradley Beal was one of my favorite backcourts to watch because I love both those players. They were starting to find success early, and then obviously injuries kind of you know fucked over what could have been a nice budding team but uh yeah it's really I could say as somebody who is loyal at least when it like if he, I'm one of those 
people where it's like if you're in my circle like you're good like you're solid with me you know what i mean and stuff like that and so i kind of get I kind of get the loyal. Obviously, I don't get the perspective of a multi-million dollar NBA player. Let me just get that out the way. But um, I under, uh, I get the whole. You know, this team was the one who took a chance on me. Um, I I have to. I want to try to stick this out and win. Wouldn't it be cool if I brought some winning and a championship possibly to Washington? But at some point, man. At some point, you gotta wake up. Man. You gotta. It's like with Kevin Garnett. Like Kevin Garnett probably left Minnesota two years too late. He got his championship in 08. And then the next year, the Celtics were killing the league. And then he heard it. He got a really bad knee injury and was never the same player again. And his body broke down. And it's like, could you imagine if KG had left like two or three years earlier, you know, and you might have two rings. Yeah. And it's the same with Bradley Beal. I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, Dame to a lesser extent, because I think the Blazers have tried to build around Dame and be, and I would take the Blazers front office over the Wizards front office easily, but, um, oh, absolutely. but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, Beal needs to, uh, get out of there. Um, real quickly going to Tyler hero. So he kind of, he blew up for a lot of reasons. So in the regular season, it was one of those Devin Booker things again, where it was like, okay, he, what is he, a shooter coming out of Kentucky? But he actually ends, you come to find out he's, he can handle the ball a little bit. He could make simple reads off of drives and he could shoot off the dribble. And also he's not scared. And that was usually a quality. That's the first thing I, one of the first things I look for in a rookie is like, okay, what's the moment like to you in this moment, right? And I remember in a game last year against the Sixers where they fumbled the ball away. We we were up yeah. four with like you remember this, I'm sure. We I were remember. up in your that's probably his best moment of the season. Yeah. Up four in your home court. Joel Embiid has one of his patented dumbass turnovers that I hate. And then Tyler Hero or Tyler Hero just takes the ball, dribbles it right up to three, and just pulls it and ties it. And it's like, okay, this, yeah, yeah this rookie. He, it was funny because he thought about going for the layup and he, he just he yeah, pulled it and he back pulled and said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to shoot this. And yeah, and then, that, that play is Tyler Hero in a nutshell. Yeah, that that's like the play, I was going to say, that's the play that epitomizes Tyler Hero to me. And then in the bubble, he took off making big shots in the conference finals, booting the Celtics out of the conference finals. Thank you for that, by the way. And, and, uh, and he, and now going into this season, it was kind of starting off slow. He had some COVID stuff going on as well, but regardless, he still made a leap in scoring. His three point shooting is down a little bit, but his two pointer is up. Um, I know you said that his offensive ceiling is high, but what, is there any part of you that feels like there is a ceiling for Tyler Hero to reach to where you say, okay, maybe we don't trade this guy? What do you see Tyler Hero as four or five years from now as a Heat fan who has watched probably every single minute of his career so far? Yeah. Um, I So Hero this year, he's been up and down. Um, and he was thrusted into the starting lineup because Drogic was out, and he was basically forced to play point guard, mm-hmm. which is not his natural position, and that's why um, his three-point shooting numbers went down a little bit because he was taking a lot of those um, drifting threes. And recently, once you know they moved him back to the bench, he looks exactly like he did last year. He looks a lot more comfortable. Um, and he looks like he's in his element. Uh, I would say his floor is probably like a solid six man like he could probably win six man of the year one year and I think his ceiling is that is as high as the, the guys that I want us to pursue which is like uh Zach Levine like like two-time all-star type player but you know how long is it going to take for him to get there he's 20 years old and you know maybe in five years he'll be that guy but you know, Jimmy's not getting any younger and neither are the guys around him. You know, Bam is 23, but you look at the, the rest of the team, Drogic is 35, Iggy is like 37. Um, 
Udonis Haslam should have retired three years ago. He's been an assistant coach for like four years now, it seems. It, well, might as well hey, be an assistant coach. Heat culture, you <laughs> heat know, co- sign, keep signing them for a million dollars. Take up a roster spot when you could give it to somebody else, you know? <laughs> yeah, that like in a COVID season, there's no, there was no reason to re-sign Udonis Haslam for a million dollars. You know, <laughs> it's like, especially when you need spots. And it was clear um, in the middle of the season, I think we played Philly twice. Yep. And we didn't have anybody. It was Precious Achua and Kelly Olenek playing Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And now, I think Hero was out there too. Yeah. But yeah, that was that that right there. But back to Hero. Um, yeah, I think he has all star potential. It's just you know, are you gonna wait for that, or are you like, are you trying to win now? It's it's all up to, you know, what the the Heat want to do. But the problem is, if, if you're gonna keep Hero, y'all have to win. Like you have to make the playoffs. You can't let that pick turn into a lottery pick and get nothing out of it. Like the the point of trading him is to get something out of your assets because you gave away an asset. Yeah. So you have to, you got to do something. Either you, you make small moves to turn this around and try to make a, another magical run, or you give him up for a, an all-star star level player who can add to your, your, your pedigree, your offense, and you can build around the big three of whoever that guy is, Jimmy and Bam. You mentioned um, he went back to the bench recently. Ever since he returned to the bench in the uh, game against Washington earlier this month, he's been averaging 17 points per game, which is right around the season average, but his three-pointers back up. It's back up to 39%. Like you mentioned, he's averaging five rebounds and four assists, and it's very clear that, at least for right now, he is comfortable in the bench role and then coming in as a starter or if some somebody gets hurt like he did in the playoffs and um it's 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 very interesting right because the heat are in this weird position where they never want to tank it's very clear it's been very known for a while they never never want to tank they always want to at least be competitive and they've kind of set themselves up in this weird timeline where there is clear young talent coming up with dunking with Duncan Robinson as a shooter, Tyler Hero as an offensive player, Bam Adebayo. There's some clear young talent there. But then on the other side of the timeline, you got vets, old vets. You mentioned Iggy. You mentioned Drogic, um, Jimmy Butler. You brought on Avery Bradley, Olenek, guys that have been in the league for a long time. And it's always just weird that with a team like that, they kind of have to straddle the balance the line between – staying competitive and letting the young guys develop but eventually what what do we think Jimmy has of prime basketball left with the play style he has it feels like every year is like a bonus year at this point because that was one of the sticking points when he was in Philadelphia it was like do we give him the five-year knowing his age and what he could look like down the road I didn't give a fuck I wanted to extend him <laughs> but uh yeah but you, uh, you want to extend the guy yeah I mean consider have you seen who's trying to create off the dribble on the perimeter for the Sixers like it's not pretty <laughs> but uh Tobias Harris has had a great year he's had a great year but in the half court I still have my concerns with Tobias because yeah, like because like he doesn't really have a handle like that so it's like it's just straight line and he'll get an offensive foul or something but um it's it it's always a uh, funny how the now you guys are in this weird position is like so what would you choose then would you i mean obviously if you go the young route you guys are going to be losing a lot of games but you guys and you guys are don't have your picks but at this rate who knows in like one or two years what this team will look like given the age of a lot of these guys um so yeah. i'm just wondering from your perspective what is the best course of action uh, in these next one or two years, in this one to two year window? Go get the star. Go get the star? Go get the star. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. I think you're totally justified in saying that. But I mean, if you want to compete in Jimmy's window, I mean, you'll compete regardless, but if you really, really want to be a contender in the East for years to come, you know, the Bucks have Giannis... I don't know if you heard of him. He's, you know, two-time MVP, I've heard 27 years old. Decent uh, the player. Nets have, yeah, he's all right. The <laughs> Nets have uh, that Kevin Durant guy and and that James Harden guy and Kyrie Irving. Um, Did Kevin Durant tear his Achilles, by the way? Because I can't tell. 
No, he didn't. Um, <laughs> he just took a year off. Um, and then the Celtics have two great young players in Brown and uh, Tatum. So I don't, you know, they got to get another star so that they can compete with these guys because they're not going anywhere. The people who are at the top of the East are probably going to stay there for three, four years to come. All right. One more question before we get to your unpopular opinion, the question that I ask every guest. But uh, I'm wondering, I've always wondered this, and I really want to see future pieces and other stuff. I want to read the effects of the bubble and the playoffs. I feel like the bubble in some ways maybe helped out teams that maybe wouldn't have made a deep playoff run otherwise. I know a lot of people have put the heat in this category. Um there, you know, no crowds, everybody shooting a thousand percent from the field. I really do think the crowd had somewhat of a factor for teams like, say, the Nuggets or the Jazz. Because I think in yeah. a crowd situation, the Nuggets coming back from back to back three, three, one that deficits, was it was amazing. But if it's a crowd setting, there's no way that's happening, I think. There's maybe no one of them, maybe the Clippers, I no. can foresee. But maybe no, not the Jazz. They wouldn't even gotten past the Jazz because yeah. you know how hard it is to play in Utah. Yeah, exactly. To close out a series in Utah. Yeah, with that crowd, that. like yeah. So also Westbrook, Paul George couldn't do that. And then if you talk about the Clippers, they have a game six at home or game six five and a game seven at home, and they no way. Yeah, Red yeah. Crowd? No way. No and way. so I always wonder about the bubble because it had adverse effects positively and negatively. I'm wondering for you. And as a fan watching, in some ways, did you think the bubble setting was kind of perfect for the Heat? Not that, and I'm not going to sit here and discredit the Heat for making the finals. They had to beat the Bucks. They had to beat the Celtics. Um, the the Pacers. They were kind of light work um, <laughs> in the first round for you guys. But you yeah. guys pounded the Bucks. You guys, you guys basically figured out the Celtics. And you gave the Lakers kind of a, a series without Drogic and with Jimmy Butler playing an ungodly amount of minutes. So I'm wondering, how did did the bubble help you guys out in a way? Um, did did was the environment helpful in terms of the Heat making the finals? Um, what did you think about the bubble and your team's bubble run? Now that you've had a few months to kind of well, maybe not even look back at it because we're in the season now, but I wonder if you've thought about that run at all a little bit. Uh, yes and no. I um, Because I think about it in the sense that, you know, everybody's playing under the same circumstances and yeah. that hasn't really changed going into this season. But, you know, when you talk about the bubble and I look at their run, I think – in a regular setting, they probably would have gotten to the Houston Conference Finals. I don't know if they beat Boston um, with going to Boston and trying to beat them at home. That's that's a tough thing to do. But, you know, they they breezed through the Pacers, and they just matched up so well with the Bucs. Like, People I think, forget that. In I, the regular season, you guys matched up against the Bucs really well. You guys really won. Well. You guys, you, get, you guys won. I think – I know you guys won one game, but did you guys – you guys won think, two, right? I think we beat them twice. You beat them yeah, twice. Yeah, I think we went yeah. two and one. Yeah. We matched up. We, we were the worst – they didn't want to see us. That was the worst possible matchup. Yep. They were rooting for the Pacers hard. I know they were. <laughs> and they didn't because – they, because they knew that and, and – you know, Spolster is one of the best coaches in the league. Uh, he's he he knows how to stop Giannis, and he knows that Mike Budenholzer that didn't make adjustments, and that was clear when they lost to the uh, Raptors a few years ago. Sold so all I my think, Mike Budenholzer stock over the summer. It was just it sold it yeah, all. He's just he just doesn't make adjustments, and I think I, I'm I'm interested to see how that's going to happen this year. I want to see how. He's gonna lose his job this this uh, <laughs> next offseason. I think it was but, game um, two. He played like thirty. Giannis played like thirty-seven minutes. I'm like, how is there a three in the number of minutes that Giannis played? How is the front number a three? That should be like a four. And like, <laughs> like it's yeah, it was exactly. wild. He stuck to his normal regular season rotations for a bit, and I was like, what is he? And, and you keep the same offensive approach with Giannis trying to run into the paint with Bam standing right there. Yep. In and a wall, like the, the clash of the Titans, and there's a whole wall right there. And you know, Bledsoe wasn't a shooter, and I think that's where they improved getting rid of Bledsoe and George Hill and yeah, getting Drew Holiday. But, um, 
I think I went on a little bit of a tangent, but the back to the bubble, I think, yeah, they, they, I think they would have lost to Boston in a, in a regular setting. And, you know, I think the final, say they make it to the finals, the finals might've been completely different because home court in the finals is, it's like, it, it's something you can't explain because I've, I've seen Heat teams uh, literally win finals because of home court. Yeah. And, you know, the, the format changed a little bit. I think they changed the format from 2-3-2 two, two to 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. Yeah, the normal but, one. Yeah, it, I think it, it would have affected the finals. I'm not sure if it would have affected the outcome because that's LeBron James on that side. We don't, we don't slander that man. Too Put often. some respect on his name. <laughs> yeah, we don't. That's he's he's like Thanos at this point. And um, yeah, the the bubble. I think they didn't take advantage of the opportunities that the bubble gave them. Like I said, they didn't take advantage of player stock being um, probably maximized in the bubble. I think that's probably as high as Duncan Robinson's stock will go. Yep. Uh, maybe heroes will go higher, but at this point, we don't know. So. And now yeah. the teams will probably be coming to Duncan Robinson's doorstep this uh, the this uh, this summer, right? He's yeah. a free agent. Um. Yes. Or does he have one more? I don't know. I think he has a qualifying. He might be a restricted free agent, or he has a qualifying offer they might have to match. Either way, um, teams are going to be lining up to give Duncan Robinson all kinds of yeah. money and now it's one of those things where it's like you could have sold high on him but do you really want to give Duncan Robinson that uh Joe Harris type of money and I want to give credit to Joe Harris he 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 does he has a lot more of a dribble drive game than Duncan Robinson does I don't he I don't does. think I I think um if Duncan Robinson takes more than one dribble I'm sure you're having a heart attack <laughs> uh, just watching it um he he can get to the rim it's just he doesn't he doesn't look comfortable all the time and yeah I, and then one thing he doesn't do is he doesn't step in for it too like he rarely ever does that and it's like so you just want to sprint sideways like this is like this is a video <laughs> game and you just want to shoot drifting threes i mean that's cool we've seen you do that but um i hated the yeah, sideline to sideline sprints in basketball practice those were the worst I hated, it. I hated, I hated them it. he's basically duncan's basically running suicides um, <laughs> all game doing these dribble handles and uh, and the thing with him is like, you know, he he can't really he tries on defense, but he can't play defense. Yeah. Um it's not through effort, is, it's just he can't physically. He just try up. he has the length. He's like six eight. Yeah. Can, but he just can't play defense. And then when he's not hitting, he doesn't give you much and I like the numbers say that he's we're better with him on the floor, and that is true because our offense practically runs through him like but at this point it's when he's spacing. not hitting it's like yeah he's just dragging guys away from jimmy and bam to give them space so you know do you want to pay 15 to 18 million dollars for a guy that some days is going to give you three points on one of 10 shooting and might not give you anything on the defensive end and during the bubble i don't know if you noticed he wasn't in in at the end of games a lot of the time because mm-hmm they were basically hunting a mismatch with him or Tyler Hero. And if you're going to have Hero on the floor with him, that's two mismatches that you can't really control and you just got to bite the bullet on. Yep. Uh, yep. Totally, uh, totally understand and agree with what you're saying. Um, one last question. I asked this to every guest. I figured I would send this question to you ahead of time because on my la- with my last two guests, I tried this question and they were kind of just like, oh shit, hold on, let me think about it real quick, like while we were recording. <laughs> so um, everybody, you know, you, you fan of the Heat, I'm sure you go on all the Heat websites, you go on the Heat subreddit probably, you know, you probably browse through Heat Twitter and there's a lot of opinions, consensus opinions. I want you, Jalal Sandy, to give me your one unpopular opinion about your team. Um, yeah, I thought about this and this is still a hard question. Um, I would probably say that the front office might not be as, you know, uh, prominent as people make them out to be for the reasons that I stated before. 
you know, they got Jimmy Butler in the signing trade, and you know, they've gotten LeBron and and Bosch, and um, they've signed, they've traded for Shaq, and you know, all the all the things that is a part of Heat culture. But ever since LeBron left, it's felt like they like they want to prove people wrong and like, oh, look what we can do. Like, this is Heat culture. We can turn undrafted rookie into an all-star level player and that's it's all good and well until you know you you drafted the, you took this undrafted rookie to be like a fourth option and then you don't maximize his potential he turns into a second option and he's not really a second option and you know they 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 made Dion waiters look like d wade for one year and paid him a bunch of money yeah that was the year and, when they went 11 and 30 and then went 30 and 11 right where Dion just took off and was hitting big yeah, shots that was the most annoying seat I didn't want that to happen I'm like <laughs> oh we're about to have a lot we're about pick. to have a okay. high pick oh oh shit <laughs> and then Dion Waiters brings out his D Wade bag and I'm like oh, okay like I mean it was fun to watch and you know and there was it it just they need to understand that you know that the way of you know, the drafting and developing is obviously something important. that is very important in the NBA, but you got to know the value of your assets and you got to know when to let them go. And I feel like that's an issue that they've had since 2015. You know, they, they held on to, they had James Johnson and they were like, Oh, we're going to give him this, this crazy contract, all these crazy contracts. They Tyler, gave out to Tyler, Tyler Johnson, Johnson, Hassan White side and, uh, Kelly Olenek, who I feel like has been on the team forever. I, I, <laughs> um, and, you know, Drogic is still here, which is fine. But, you know, they, 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 when they do make trades, it usually works out. But sometimes they tend to uh, not pull the trigger. And it really, really hurts them. And it really, it makes them look incompetent sometimes. Because, you know, like, like this year, when guys are out and the guys that you put your trust in are out, you got Gabe Vincent, Chris Silva, and Max Struz out there playing 30 minutes a game. That's not what you want. You know, it, it gets ugly. Hey, he dropped 31 on that, or Struz dropped 21 on national television against the uh, Rockets. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I wish um, I wish Bam had the confidence that Struz had. Struz, Struz catches the ball, and I know it's going up. Like, yep. that's just, you just he shoot doesn't that pass thing. ever. <laughs> I have to I'm not gonna lie I I feel like I followed the NBA pretty well but when the heat rolled up with guys like Gabe Vincent and uh what's his what's his name um KZ uh I can't pronounce Akpala. Yeah, yeah when they showed up with guys like that I was like okay who the hell is Gabe Vincent who these is are all G League kill- guys who's killing us in the first game like giving us straight buckets mm-hmm. going at Joel and beat at the rim I'm like what the fuck that was his best game of the season he hasn't been that good since (laughs) well the Sixers like to give guards their career highs they specialize in that shit oh no that's us that's us did you see Amir Coffey last night (laughs) he had like 18 on six of eight shooting from three and they were like and and I listened to the Heat podcast and Eric Reed he's always like telling you like the game high or the season high he's like yeah, he hit five threes in uh, this game. He's hit four his whole career. We're like, bro, what? <laughs> this is did it. It's it's like every game they you know he Twitter has this thing called random heat killer, random scrub heat killer. It's yep. always somebody. Like we played the Knicks and it was Reggie Bullock. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> uh, that... it's, it's somebody every game. And yet somehow the Heat are still thirteenth in defensive rating even though i think that number's a lie when i read it that's a shame that's That's a shame shame. i don't believe that there's no way he's the host of a just another day podcast uh jalal sandy thank you so much for joining the sly hooper podcast and uh we'll have to do this again i'm gonna have to come on your pod and if you ever want to talk sixers or general hoops and let me come on your podcast and vent about my team (laughs) but uh thank you for uh, joining the show man yeah, Jordan, thank you for having me, man. This was this was a lot of fun. And um the Sixers uh fail like I think they will, I will definitely wow. Wow. ask you to come up. Wow, <laughs> wow, wow. Okay. All right, we I think start- it's inevitable. <laughs> I think it's inevitable, but we'll see. We'll we'll see. Uh we'll see. Yeah, I'm not gonna go into a Sixers rant now. I already ended the show. <laughs> Jalal Jalal Sandy, thank you, sir. No problem, man.
Thanks again to Jalal Sandy. You can check out the Just Another Day podcast on Spotify, iTunes. It is also a solo podcast. He hosted by himself, much like this podcast. So, of course, got to support solo pods out here. Also want to thank him because he was under the weather and he was still kind enough to come on the show. So, shout out to Jalal. Make sure you listen and subscribe to this podcast. And, of course, spread the word. Thank you, as always, for the support. And tune in next week because it may or may not be an All Sixers episode. We'll find out. But until next time, deuces. Deuces.